0: As we stand at the precipice, feeling the heat on our faces from the dumpster fire our country has devolved into, sometimes an escape is necessary. And sure, meth will do that for you. But maybe, just maybe, dating horror stories from someone else's romantic fuckery might be better for your health. Surely your dentist would agree. So laugh, cry, blush from secondhand embarrassment, and revel in a playground of mishaps that just might help you forget. Welcome to The Cultural Experience, season one, The Alphabet Chronicles. N is for Nowheresville. Years ago, I lived in small town Mississippi for a month. It was great fun. I was there to sing an opera at a music festival and was thrilled to get out of the city for a bit, experience a slower way of life. It was quiet and artsy, quaint. It was in this small town I was courted for the first and perhaps last time in my life. I can't say I didn't love it, but it's behavior that would only stand in small towns with deep ties to the past. Towns that feel like you're stepping back in time the minute you cross their borders. That's Nowheresville. As if being courted wasn't enough of a curveball in today's SUP culture, meeting a man in a small town was an even bigger gag. It's not that the town was, you know, devoid of culture and sure. Gays happen everywhere, but this was a small town even by Southern standards. Because of this, I'd all but resigned myself to a sexless stay before I met him. But luckily, my lonely nights of masturbation were short-lived as he found me my first week there. I was with a group of friends visiting the only trendy coffee shop within god knows how many miles. We were ordering our cold brews and comparing tales of the town's quaintness attempting to one-up the other with the gem we'd unearthed when i noticed him beside me he was a striking man both in stature and demeanor he had a warm smile and a big bald head that exaggerated his features and blurred his age hello he had a slight southern accent A coloring which flirted with mystery, but avoided the ignorance often misassociated with such a drawl. It was sexy. Hi there. You in town for the festival? Yes, how did you know? I'm the mayor. If you lived here, trust me, I would know. Oh? You know all your citizens? The cute ones, yes. Hold. The. Phone. "'Gay mayor? Sign me up. I was ready to be a mayoress. Ready,' I blushed. "'I, uh, here. Take my number. I'd love to be your tour guide.' Then his massive hands reached across the bar and took my phone, pointing the black locked screen at me with a raised eyebrow. I met his eyes and, without breaking them, unlocked my phone.' He slowly withdrew his gaze, leaving a residue that left me drenched. He handed the phone back to me with his name and phone number entered as a new contact. I thought about texting him, but decided against it. I wanted to hold on to any power I still had. I could tell I wouldn't have it for much longer. So I smiled. Thank you. Grabbed my cold brew and ushered the troops back to the car. The car ride had everyone all at Twitter, begging for details. I played coy but ended up giving them all the information I had, which was… not much. Everyone had an opinion on what I should do next. Text him now. If you text him right now, I will never speak to you again. Don't be desperate. I decided to hold off. I'd wait until the end of the day when I was sitting in my hotel room, making him wonder if he'd put his number in wrong or if I was just never going to text. I rarely have the confidence to play this game, and since I knew it was a drought of faggotry down here, why not play? It was around 11 when I finally collapsed into bed and started scrolling through various apps as a way to wind down. I'd been so busy I'd forgotten about meeting the mayor earlier that day, which proves just how exhausted I was. I opened my contacts and found his name. I closed my eyes for a second to see if I could conjure up what he looked like, to see if he was as cute as I remembered. I think he was. Hello there. Within seconds. Why, hello. How was your day? It was fantastic. I I met a very attractive man this morning. Winky face. Weird. So did I. Crazy, right? So, uh, do you think you're going to see him again? Uh, I think if he asks me out, I'd be open to a dinner. He took the bait. Well, what are your plans for tomorrow? Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to be at dinner with you. Perfect. I'll pick you up at seven. I was intrigued by his confidence. Here we were in the deep south, smack dab in the middle of Nowheresville, and he was going to take me on a date in public. To be fair, the town seemed shockingly unfazed by homosexuality. I mean, not necessarily welcoming, I mean, I didn't imagine a gay pride parade or anything, but my life didn't feel threatened. Still, I was a little shocked we'd be going on a date and not, you know, instead getting together for a more private evening. Now, don't get me wrong, I preferred this, I was just a little surprised. I woke up the next morning early, in time for a solid workout and vocal warm-up before a day filled with rehearsals. There was nothing exceptional about the day. It had begun, and I expected it to unfold like the days that preceded it. I showered and put on the outfit I had laid out the night before, gave my music a quick once-over, and hopped in the car to the rehearsal space just like I had several times before. While I was awake, the hour was still early, and I floated through the first 30 minutes or so in a haze. Even the opera's rape scene did little to pull me out of my exhaustion. It It wasn't until someone appeared at the door. Is, uh, is Cole in this rehearsal? I reluctantly identified myself. Suddenly I was back in middle school, desperately fearful of getting in trouble. Yes, I'm right here. And then she unearthed, seemingly from nowhere, a small-town cellophane explosion of pride. It was a gift basket, I couldn't immediately identify the contents, as the basket had been wrapped with such meticulous care by someone who clearly had a lack of conflicting priorities. Were there two or three layers of cellophane? Unclear. Oh. The woman looked at me with titulated exuberance, an expression the morning hour wouldn't allow from me. She hovered, expectant. Attempting to draw a level of excitement this package just didn't inspire in me. "'Well, are you going to open it?' "'Let's take a break,' the conductor interrupted. (sighs) "'I couldn't tell if I was happy I wouldn't be forced to navigate this situation in the still quiet any longer, or uh, if it was worse because the break would allow for questions and further probing. "'Well, open it!' "'Worse. "'This was worse.' I untied the bow to a deafening orchestral cacophony of crinkling cellophane. Removing the bow did little to actually unwrap the basket. There was so much of it, it it hung there, static, in a kind of purgatory, neither fully encasing nor fully exposing the mysterious treasures inside. It was clear our break would be focused on this monstrosity, as several members of the cast gathered in a ritualistic circle. Any uninterested parties had left the room. I stared at the erect cellophane akin to a protective foreskin and took a deep breath. Something about the presentation gave me a pit in my stomach. Whatever was waiting beneath wasn't going to match the pomp and circumstance of this visually deafening package. A low-quality product reveal was almost guaranteed. My lip inched upward in a disappointing curl as I peeled back the crunchy material, finally unearthing what was waiting beneath. Peanut butter crackers everywhere. They're you know, the kind with the electric orange tint to them. I tried to mask my confusion as I pushed the snacks I'd sidestepped since childhood to the side, attempting to see what might be hiding underneath. Fruit snacks the whole mess of them. The hard kind that taste stale and get stuck in your teeth. I believe there may have been gum and other related gas station nibbles underneath, but the specificities of the delicacies blended together in my head, particularly after I saw the note I'd accidentally brushed aside. Have a good rehearsal, the mayor. My suspicions were correct. I I quietly, well, you know, as quietly as one can with 10 pounds of cellophane in their lap, set the basket to my side and calmly smiled at everyone. Oh, it was from a friend, <laughs> very sweet of them. Now, look, it's the thought that counts, but I couldn't help but wonder. Are electric orange peanut butter crackers really the way to say I dig you? Like is that the vibe I give off? Am I the human equivalent to rock hard fruit snacks that have a taste of plastic and get stuck on your teeth? I tried to reconcile this as fellow cast members bombarded me with questions. I half-answered them with non-committal details, not sure I wanted to reveal the identity of my suitor just yet. In Nowheresville, it was likely we'd run into him. It could be at coffee before a rehearsal or dinner afterwards. There really wasn't a single location I could discount, except for maybe this rehearsal hall, but now he'd managed to infiltrate that as well. I thought it best to keep everyone in the dark for the time being. Luckily, rehearsal started again before any more pressure could be applied. I rode back to my hotel room with a few straight boys who asked about the basket, mainly because it was so obtrusive in the back seat, not because they were truly invested. And that was best, really. Once in the room, I took a step back and glanced through the basket again. It was sweet in a very small-town way. Without the prying eyes of others, the missteps and clunkiness grew on me. There was even something charming about it my Grinch-sized heart had begun to grow. With our first date fast approaching, I texted the mayor to say thank you. You're very welcome. Looking forward to seeing you tonight. I freshened myself and made sure all my bits were ready for the taking. You know, just in case. As I was squirting the final splash of cologne, he texted to let me know he was downstairs. Perfect. Perfect. I grabbed my wallet and chapstick, making my way to the elevator and down to the parking lot within minutes. He was standing outside the car like a perfect gentleman waiting to greet me. The sun caught his skin just so, and for a second he appeared to glow. This southern courting was turning out to be more appealing than I'd originally realized, and it looked like even the elements were in on it. (laughs) Why, hello. Hi, Cole. Cole. And then he consumed me in a bear hug that engulfed my entire being. It was a moment that stopped time, lasting a single second and simultaneously a never-ending eternity. In that moment, it was hard to imagine a world that existed outside of this hug. It turns out though, the, uh, the hug is where we should have popped the brakes. He opened the door and I climbed in as gingerly as possible. I don't remember the last time I'd had a door opened for me and I was deathly afraid of stumbling and falling face first into the passenger's seat. I felt protected and supported, yet simultaneously very much on display. It was an odd feeling and yet I liked it. I basked in this ritual of courtship as he rounded the hood of the car where the sun again made sweet love to his features, amplifying every physical attribute that drew me to him. I took a deep breath and settled in as he turned the ignition, engaging our chariot to carry us literally into the sunset. Once at the restaurant, I was reminded of the reality of small-town celebrity Our table felt like Grand Central Station with all the drive-bys and pats on the back. Everyone knew him, and the undercurrent of everyone's interactions seemed to be aimed at letting him know just how okay they were with he and his otherness. It's so fun to watch Southerners bob and weave around these types of niceties. They tend to get so fumbly and self-conscious, trying to be accepting and tripping up on political correctness with every breath. (laughs) I love it. He was kind and very polite, introducing me to every passerby, sure to make me feel welcome and included. I did my part, smiling, making sure not to overstep, successfully auditioning for my starring role as politician's wife. Dinner took twice as long as it normally might have, but I didn't mind. It was nice to adopt the leisurely pace of the South, at least for an evening. After he took care of the bill, he threw me off my axis again by opening the car door, this time it was the light from the restaurant that danced with his rugged good looks. Teasing a preview of a slightly less gentlemanly side. I assumed he'd return me to my hotel, but instead of turning left out of the parking lot, he took a right. He gave me a romantic driving tour of the town, stopping at his office. I'd like to show you inside. I mean, who was I to say no? There was something romantic about the hour and the abandoned darkness of the building, he played coy as we wandered from floor to floor and through the different rooms. When we got to his office, though, he dropped his pretense. I was pointing it to some painting on the wall, asking about this or that, when I felt him come up behind me. He was strong, assertive. He pressed himself into me, placing his hand on top of my outstretched fingers, pulling me into him. He flipped me around so I was facing him. It was a whirlwind. He lifted me onto the desk and slowly laid me down while our tongues explored the inner recesses of each other's mouths. I was in heaven. And then, as if from nowhere he stopped, he pulled off, looking worried, straightening his shirt as he half-paced around the room, mumbling to himself. I sat up awkwardly, not sure what to do, but pretty sure I should get off his desk. Should we, uh, go? Yeah, uh, I think that's a good idea, he mumbled as I finished shimmying to the floor. Well, that was weird. He seemed to be aggressively holding himself back from something. From me? We exited in silence, him following behind, turning the lights off as we made our way out of the building and back to the car. I was expecting to let myself in this time around, but no, he was there to open the door for me. Interesting. Interesting. The look in his eyes indicated the problem may not have been with me, but with something inside him. I wondered what it could have been, what could possibly have ignited such extreme suppression. Next thing I knew, we were back at my hotel. We'd been silent the entire ride. The only real activity were the thoughts endlessly rattling around in my brain. He pulled into a parking spot and turned off the engine. He looked at me for a split second, then moved on me devouring my face amping up our makeout session infinitely from the kissing in his office only in that moment did i see how childishly mild it had been i let him take complete control and create an environment of reckless abandon at one point i pulled back for air expecting to see him staring at me longingly and and that's when i saw it the light no longer made love to his features instead it It highlighted all of the violent edges and harsh angles, exposing why he pulled away at his office. The fiery, harried look in his eyes engulfed his being. Something had shifted. Was this what he was trying to repress in his office? A pit in my stomach grew so large I thought it would swallow me up. This man could hurt me. Would hurt me? Like, like badly. Like... No life left in my body hurt me. Now, not intentionally, but there was something so Lenny from Of Mice and Men in his eyes, and I was that rabbit. I knew I had to remove myself. I knew if we kept going, there was a large likelihood someone would find my lifeless body floating down the river. He would have felt so badly about it. He probably would have cried. I'm almost sure of it. But but those tears would have done nothing for me as I floated south, my body waving goodbye to nowheresville. I'll never know for sure what might have happened. For once, I was able to put logic ahead of passion as I quietly kissed him and thanked him for a lovely evening. He seemed confused, but not. I think he felt this demon lurking just under the surface, frightened and unsure of when he might be consumed. I only saw him a few times the rest of my stay. I was sure to be cordial, but kept my distance. It was important I preserved the memory of my peanut butter cracker king of Mississippi. Our night of courtship deserved that. Thank you for listening to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. The podcast that's 100% true, except when it's not. Essays are written by Cole Grissom, inspired by real events, but rest assured, if a character resembles you in any way, I promise you're wrong. If you like what you heard today, subscribe, share, tell your friends, your frenemies, your bad dates, your good dates, the guy in the alley you're planning on giving a handy to later tonight. Tell them all. Until next time, friends.